Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. Preparing gifts, but we'll get to those later. Hey, guess what? We're in Advent season, and it is December 3rd, which means we're in December, and we can officially sing Christmas songs. Not before, but now we can. So, we're going to play a little game. Well, not really a game. I'm just going to see how in tune you guys are, and we'll see how in tune I am probably too. But uh, we're going to play finish that Christmas lyric for a second. So here's how it works. I'll start the Christmas lyric, and you're going to finish it. Y'all good for that? Hopefully. Some of you are. Some of you are like, I'm not going to sing. I refuse Christmas songs. But that's okay. We're going to be all right. So ready? First one. Then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Rudolph, with your nose so bright. Oh, y'all are so good. So good. Last time he gave them the words, and they knew exactly the words, but you guys had it all on your own. Okay, next one. Some of these are harder. Okay, ready? Frosty the snowman is a fairy tale, they say. He was made of snow, but the children know. That was a little bit, yeah, pretty close. Hey, came to life one day. That's a classic. Good stuff there. All right. You guys are doing so good. All right. In the meadow, we can build a snowman. Keep going. Oh, we can, we can stop there. We can stop there. We can stop there. So we used to go Christmas caroling a long time ago with the kids, every, like for active retirees, they were called Golden Rays in. And if we didn't have the words, everybody's like, uh, and no one knew the words, but it was okay. All right, this one, oh, <clears throat> Sam, okay. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. You guys are good. Okay, so I have a question for you this morning. Um, how many of you are Christmas music all year round? Okay, just checking to see who I'm not hanging out with. All right. Um, how many of you are okay with Christmas music, you know, when it gets to November? Is he? No? All right. How many of you are December or after Thanksgiving on? Okay, still the majority, we can be friends. All right, good. So this is uh, just a meme I found, but I want to show you two people here. This is characters. Buzz is Sam. Woody is me. (laughs) Christmas music everywhere. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Sometimes it just goes and goes and they start like earlier and earlier and I can't take it. But it's December, so we can get into this. I have one more for you of that. This is your warning, the Mariah Carey defrosting process has begun. This has overwhelmed the internet, but somewhere around, you know, Halloween, she starts defrosting and we have to hear her over and over. I waited tables, and if you are in a service industry of any kind, you have to hear Christmas music over and over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, It's like on loop, and Mariah Carey has been around a long time. So this song uh, is it. Wait, 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 go back, go back. Okay, so (laughs) Sam, where is Sam at? There you are, Sam. So Sam starts playing, like we're in July in staff meetings. He's like, hey, Christmas is coming, guys. Christmas is coming. And then shortly after that, we start hearing Christmas music coming from his office 
on a daily basis. Luckily, my office is on the polar opposite of this building, so I only hear it when I come through the building. But one day, I decided Christmas music was too early, and so I sent Sam this, this video. Now I started carrying around a piece of stone with me so I could throw it at anybody who tries to play or sing Christmas songs before Thanksgiving. I call it my jingle bell rock. I have to make an admission. I actually love Christmas. I don't always love Christmas decorations and singing before Thanksgiving, which I think you should not do. Uh, but I love Christmas. In fact, I believe that we should celebrate Christmas every day um, because of God's choice to join us in this world. And so I don't see it as the holidays and Frosty the Snowman and that sort of thing, but the birth of Christ is something to celebrate every day. It's the greatest gift of all time. And Jesus is something that we should celebrate. I, have, uh, I told you I have gifts, but how many of you guys are good at guessing gifts? Anybody? Anybody? So my, like you can shake it and go, this is, I know exactly what this is. Some of you can do that. My sister was a savant at this. Um, at least I thought for a while. She would shake it, gold earrings. They're hoops. I love them. And, and then uh, she would put them back under the tree. Or if it was my present, she would shake it and go, oh, it's a red sweatshirt, SMU, size medium, no, nope, large. And then she would, she would go, I was like, how do you know these things? Well, here's how she knew these things. My sister would open presents early. Um, when no one was around, my parents would go out and my sister would begin to open them. And she would open all of her presents. So she knew everything she got. But as I told you earlier, she also knew everything I got, which I was like, that's just wrong. And she would tell me I didn't want to know. So she would get the, so afterwards she showed me her secret. Um, I didn't want to know. But she would use a hairdryer. She would melt off the tape. She would lift the tape. She would carefully unfold it. She would pull it out. She would unbox it. She would replace any tape that was damaged in the process. She would take it out. She would know exactly what every present under the tree was. She was amazing. And this was a dark secret my sister and I kept forever from my parents um, because I didn't want to get caught and I didn't want to be lumped in with her in what was happening. But so I asked you, how many of you are good at guessing presents? So we'll see if you can guess some. Any guesses? You can, you can talk. Football. Okay. Merry Christmas, lad. Headphones. Headphones. Okay, can you don't watch out for this part. Did you guess? You can you can keep those too. Um, I'm going to tell you up front, five below. So don't expect much. <laughs> it, it's it didn't work that well. But like when we try to guess presents or we try to to know what they are, like when we're trying to guess, sometimes we can get caught up in in uh, like wondering what it is and hoping for something. But how many of you have gotten a bad present in your life? Everybody in here is going to raise your hand. You're not, you're not, don't, if it's from the person next to you, don't tell them what it was. That's not nice. But for me, presents sometimes from my grandmother were a challenge. But we used to do uh, Christmas with our entire family. And you expect the present from your grandma. She knows you the best. She gives you everything. Um, and so we did Christmas with our entire family together every Christmas Eve growing up. There was no, you couldn't go somewhere else. You couldn't do other things. You could not have plans on Christmas Eve because we were getting together. It was aunts and uncles, cousins, moms and mom and dad, their moms and dads, my grandmother. Uh, my granddad passed away early, so, um, so it was grandma and 
uh, around. So we just opened presents. We didn't always watch each other, which was a good thing. So worst present I ever received um, was I opened it up. I opened it up. I was like, underwear, great. Thanks for your grandmother. But that's not bad enough. Um, I, it was in the time of underoos. So, and so you're opening them up. It's already bad enough. Everybody's around. But my grandmother, either she was cruel or forgot, and she had wrapped for me Minnie Mouse panties. Um, and that is the worst gift I've ever received. Like, it was, it was the worst present ever. Um, and some of us, we have expectations of gifts, and we get gifts, and we don't always know how to respond. My response was more of shock, like, well, I don't know what to do with this. But for all of us, we sometimes are disappointed in things. And I was reading recently um, about um, this sociologists are saying this, and I was reading an article on it, and it says that the primary American emotion among adults is disappointment. It's like, oh, that's tough. And it was talking specifically about people who had their needs met and, um, and had everything, not everything, but they had stuff. They, they weren't in great need, but they were living in disappointment. And I was like, that's a tough statement. And, and I was looking into, you know, what it what that does for us and how we have expectations and how those expectations are met or not met and how that leads back into whether we're disappointed or not. And we live in a world that has a lot of disappointment for different reasons. But one of the things I read was it's Dallas Willard retells a story of greyhounds. You know, greyhounds, dogs that race. Um, and when they race, they run an electric rabbit out in front of them. And so they run as fast as they can get those greyhounds to go, and they keep it just in front of them so they can't reach it. So the, gray, the rabbit, the electric rabbit's just going, and the greyhounds are behind it. But he tells a story of one night when the rabbit broke down and the dogs caught it. So they caught it, and they leapt in circles, they yelped and bit one another, totally confused. That's what happens, and he says this, that's what happens to people who catch their rabbits whether it is wealth or fame or beauty or a bigger house or whatever, they catch up with the prize and it makes no sense to them because that's where they put their hope. And so this morning we're talking about hope. Blaise Pascal says each person has a God-shaped void in their hearts that can only be filled by Christ himself. When you think about it, when we try to fill our hearts with other things, we're always going to be disappointed. We're always going to Wonder what else is out there. Wonder what's next. But for us, we have a gift. And I want us to look at a scripture. This is in Luke 1 first. This first sentence is talking, in, talking about Elizabeth, who is Mary's cousin. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who, are, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, What kind of greeting is this? This might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. That's good news, right? Like when you hear it that way, that is great news. But sometimes we don't get what we expect. So y'all want to guess what this one is? 
Good job. It is a Christmas tree-shaped box. Um, and this is a terrible example. I'm just going to apologize for the cheesiness up front. But like sometimes we look at Christmas and we think about what it is, and it's really about the birth of Christ, about the Most High. And we want something different, but what we get is, is baby Jesus. Like this is like what we get. And some people are disappointed. So I want you all to hear something. This is a, a spoken word piece. It's a poem written by Brandon Leake. And I couldn't find a, an audio recording of it, so we'll just read it. It says, The Old Testament speaks of the day Jesus would come, speaks of a time in which nations would crumble, when the skies would roar and turn ablaze at his sight, when the earth herself would tremble, knowing that God in flesh had come down to grace her again. And the people of Israel fell on their knees praying for this day when their warrior king would come to vanquish their oppressors, to restore Israel to their rightful place. And when that day came, the skies did not cry, nor did they split to the outpour of heaven's fury. Instead, it was the night of a cloudy haze with but one star in the sky, shining, guiding a few souls to deliver devotion to the newborn king. The earth did not rumble, nor did it succumb to rubble. Instead, she remained silent, eerily still, as the streets of Bethlehem riddled with the desolation that cool winter's eve brings in its wake. While the woman carrying the light of the world was denied asylum by the very people who prayed for the gift she carried. But that's how the Son of Man came to the earth, not only in the humility of flesh, but in the humility of a manger when the whole world should have fallen to their knees in praise of his arrival. But instead, he was forced to be a refugee, fleeing from a fear-monger ruler who would have thought that a little boy birthed in a trough made where swine came to dine would be the answer. Do you get this picture? Like, the Israelites were expecting their warrior king, and what they got was a baby who was born really from nowhere. But it was God. And for us, sometimes we go, don't you get it? It's, it's the Son of God. And I, but at the same time, even though we think they may have missed it, I wonder if for some of us, we didn't get the God that we want. So we're not pleased with the God we have. So we began to create the God we long for, a God who follows our lead and yet is powerful enough to come to our rescue. When we don't get what we want sometimes, sometimes we seek what we do want and we don't find it sometimes because it doesn't, nothing better exists. I love this story of the birth of Christ. I actually think it is the most amazing story in the Bible because to give up full power and choose that is beyond me. But it brings a question for me. Who is the God you're waiting for? Who is the God you're hoping for? Like, who is it? What is this God that you want? What is this God that I want? And sometimes, I want to say, some days the warrior king sounds good to me. That he would come in glory and set all things right. That'd be awesome. But maybe he is, just not in the way I expect. Maybe not in my life the way I expect even. So growing up, my experience was maybe like similar to some of yours, but maybe different. Um, I grew up in a, in a family that stopped going to church when I was, I was five or six years old. I don't remember exactly, obviously, because it was a long time ago, but I was young. 
Um, I knew some of the stories and I knew some of the connections and that sort of thing. My grandmother always prayed for us uh, and, and continually went to church. And so my, my experience with God was, was distant. It was formed where it was a God who came at holidays or when we prayed for my sick grandmother or you pick the time. He was distant. And it was almost like this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. This is a really large corn so you can see it. But some of us have a view, some of, some of us have a view of God that he sets this, this world in motion and he lets it go. And when it's about to fall, I missed it, um, he grabs it and says, okay, I'm going to set you back on course. And he, and he does it again. And, and our view of God sometimes becomes of this God who's distant from us, who doesn't stay in our, in our presence all the time, but only when we call on him. And sometimes he doesn't show up then. And it's a disappointing God. So who is the God that you're looking for? Like, what is the hope that's found? I think because of my relationship with God and the fact I... I had a distant God who only came occasionally that the story of the birth of Christ is most amazing to me because the God who is willing to come into our, our space and time and be with us is the God I want. I don't want to serve a distant God. I don't want a God who answers my, my prayers without relationship. That's, that's not what I want. So let's read, let's read on some more of the birth story. So uh, to, to tell you up front, I'm scared of babies. Like, I don't like to hold them. Uh, I'm not sure if Taylor's in here, uh, but Taylor Pachicano, when she was on staff, she was pregnant, and then she had a baby. And the baby I was scared of. And so I would not hold him. And I was like, I, when he is, like, this big, then I'll hold him. And so I was, I was afraid because babies are, and I held my own kids. I don't want you to think I didn't. Um, but they were, I was responsible for them. I didn't have, if I dropped them, that was on me. Um, but if I dropped Taylor's, but if I dropped Taylor's baby, I was like, ah, and Caleb is getting ready to have a baby. There's so much expectation in, in this young life. And Caleb every week is like, hey, Jamie's a corn this week. He's the size of corn this week. And uh, so it's always a fruit every week for, for him. But I, and I'm going to tell you now, I'm not going to hold Jamie until he's big, until he's this big. But like, there's something about the frailty of a baby that makes this that much stronger. So let's read this together. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house, of, house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Most amazing story in the Bible. Could you imagine holding, like Mary's holding the creator of the universe? That's, that's the story to me. That's hope to me because he was willing to be powerless for us. And sometimes we lose track of that. We lose track of that. And sometimes we want a God to fix our problems, but we need a God who is intimately involved in our lives. So we're going to read another passage, John 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love this particular passage. Can you leave it up for one second? Because it does this thing in Scripture. It calls back to Genesis. When you read it, in the beginning was the word. It goes back to creation. And what John is saying is this child who was born among us was the, is the creator of the universe, is the creator of the universe, is the creator of all things. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. I'll skip down to the bottom. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That's our hope. Our hope is in a God who's willing to come and be present. And that's the reason why this season is so important to us because God made the choice. He lowered himself. He made the choice to be fully human. He gave himself over to be present in space and time and gravity and hunger and tummy aches and hurt feelings and even stubbed toes because he became a human for us. I, I don't know that you can stand in that knowledge and not be changed by it because there's power in a God who's willing to be present with us. There's an old song. It's a David Crowder song. I want to show you one of the lines from it. It says, I'm so bored of little gods while standing on the edge of something large. While standing here so close to you, we could be consumed. Take a, take a look at that for a second because some of us have little gods that we hold on to and God wants to give us true hope. Like there's something more. It says, while standing on the edge of something large, while standing here so close to you, we could be consumed, which I think is amazing. But here's the next part of that that you need to hear. Or we could walk away and not be changed by it. We could decide that that hope is not what we want. In 2 Corinthians 5, 13, and I don't have it on the screen, I'm sorry. Uh, this is from the ERV. It says, if we are crazy, it is for God. If we have our right mind, it is for you. The love of Christ compels us because we know that one person died for everyone. And that also means that he lived for everyone. It says, if we are crazy, it is for God. Followers of Jesus in this day were seen as outrageous. They didn't make sense. Their behavior looked different than everybody else. And so what he's saying is like, hey, if we're crazy, it's because God's love. That's what compels us. That what, that's what makes us different. And we know that God has something in store. And so when I read that, that, that song, I find that being consumed by God happens when I'm in proximity to him, when I realize that God wants to do something in me. Uh, there's a, an author, his name is Rick McKinley. He wrote a book called Beautiful Mess. And uh, what he does is he basically talks about this beautiful mess that we're in and that God comes to join us in this mess of the world. And you guys know we live in a messy world. So God comes to join us in this beautiful mess, and we're here with him. And there's, there's one line or one chapter in the book in particular called Signposts of Heaven. And he makes a point that signposts shine the brightest in the darkest places. If you think about it, if we were to, to just have a small light in here and er every other light was off, you would see that light because light penetrates darkness. 
And so what he says is signposts shine the brightest in the darkest places. So in this book, he, he does this, uh, he writes a couple of things, but here's one thing he wrote. When Jesus went back to heaven, so he uses this sentence several times. When Jesus went back to heaven, um, and then what we do to bring heaven to earth, like we talked about last week, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so he, what he's saying is when Jesus went back to heaven, Dan and Lynn decided to start showing what heaven's response to homelessness might look like Every night during cold weather, they would load up their car with blankets and socks and roam Portland looking for people sleeping on the streets. If they didn't look warm enough, they'd pull out an armload of comfort and tuck them in. They would say, what we hope is that when they wake up, that our new friends would think about Jesus tucking them in and taking care of them and not us. It's the joining in the process of following Jesus. And when they took blankets, it was bringing that in. And so I, I thought about different things going on in Lubbock. And, and several years ago, some of our teens started something when they were just out of high school. And so I wrote it in his form. When Jesus went back to heaven, Zach Miller and Macy Dean, along with a bunch of other young people, decided that the kingdom coming would show up in places with the most need. So they started a ministry called Same Light to come along children come alongside children who had the greatest need in Lubbock. They went every week and poured into the lives of these children with no expectation other than seeing the kingdom come and his will be done in Lubbock as it is in heaven. And you see this over and over in Lubbock um, at St. Benedict's with some of our young people that um, a few years ago, or actually I think it was year before last, did blessing bags because you would see people who are experiencing homelessness on the street, and what do you do with that? And so these girls said, we need to do something about that. So they made bags that had things and say, if there's nothing else I'm gonna do, I'm gonna bless you today. And that's the kingdom coming here and now. I think one of the things that really stuns me is that Jesus would be willing to come in human form, to give up all power. In fact, I think the paradox is that he expressed his power by giving up his power and joining us in the mess. I was a little bit hesitant to, to think about this next story, but in LA, I think it was two years ago, actually, um, we, were, we were helping, every week they clean streets and do different things, and we were helping one of our friends there, his, na his nickname is Soul Brother, and we were helping Soul Brother because they have to move all their possessions so the streets can be cleaned. And while those streets are being cleaned, you have to like get your stuff out of the way and then you can put your stuff back. But if you don't get your stuff back in time, or if you don't get your stuff moved in time, it many times is just thrown away. Uh, and so any possessions you have are just gone. And so um, every year we try to line up so we can be there on street cleanings uh, for the friends of ours that, that live on Skid Row. And we were helping uh, Soul Brother move his stuff and there were a group of us there. And... I, I looked up and it looked like on this end there were people just kind of scurrying, kind of moving a little bit faster and a lot of people going to this corner. And you look that way and it looks like uh, a lady that, that we've only met a couple of times had been hit by a car. And she was laying on the ground and there was a pool of blood around her. And when stuff like, if someone were to get run over, it can get really crazy at different places. So... Um, I left our group with Saul Brother and one of our other adult leaders and, and I ran down and her head was, was gashed open. It was a huge gash where she had fallen and there was blood, just like a pool of blood around her. 
And I, number one, I don't like blood, um, but um, I had a handful of uh, gloves, rubber gloves on me because we had been doing cleaning and stuff like that. And they were medical gloves. And there's a, a lady who lives uh, on Skid Row right there. She's a former nurse, um, but she, things in her life has happened. She experienced homelessness, but I knew her and we've talked to her and she came out and she said, um, she said, what, we need to put some pressure on it and that sort of thing. So fortunately I had gloves. And so I give her some gloves and I have gloves and we're kind of making sure. And she said, I don't have anything. Um, and just then, an ambulance pulls up to the corner, and I'm thinking, oh, good. Um, and I'm expecting him to get out, but he doesn't get out. And so she says, you're going to have to, ask, can you ask him for some gauze? And so I go, and I knock on the window, and I said, and expecting him to get out. And he rolls down his window just a little bit, and he said, I'm not on duty. I was like, well, you're not on duty. Um, and she was there was a lot of blood. And so I was like, I did not take no for an answer at that moment. Um, I would like to say it was kind, but I just like knocked on his door really hard. Um, and he opens up and says, like, I need gauze. You don't, you don't have to help. You don't have to do anything else. Would you just give me gauze? And so he gets out of his front seat and he goes to the back and he gives me some gauze. And I know there's probably reasons why he couldn't help. I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage him. It was just a situation. But we grab gauze and we, we put it on this lady's head and we get the bleeding stopped and which is which is probably the smallest part of this story there's a there's a man who I've I've seen for probably five or six years on Skid Row he rides his bike around and generally he says what are you doing here and he cusses at us and he yells at us and say all kinds of things because we don't belong in the neighborhood right like why are you here what difference does it make and that day, he was riding around, and he was on the other side, and he was watching as this happened. And he just looked at me, and this was the piece of me understanding why we need to enter the mess in the places where God goes. And I think if we're going to be consumed by Christ, we have to do it. But he looks at me, and he gave me the, the head nod, and he smiled, and he rode on. But later that day, he rode up. He talked to our group. It was different because God enters places and he calls us to enter places too. And when we enter into those places with him, then the world can see hope because I can tell you that, that this man didn't understand that God cares about him enough to enter his world because there are times and places where he hasn't experienced that. And it's our job as people who are followers of Jesus to live with God and to enter into his hope and into the hope of this world. Our hope is found in a Jesus who is willing to come in human form, to enter our world. The message says to come into our neighborhood. That's where our hope is found. But the world's hope is also found in us, in us chasing after this God. I want to read a scripture to you. This is out of the Passion Translation, so it's a little bit different, but it's uh, Philippians 3. And for... For probably a week after I read this, I couldn't stop reading it to people um, because the way it words it um, is just different. It says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me to make me his own. 
I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I love this line. But I run with passion into his abundance. Our abundance is from God, not from anything we bring. But the next line, that I may reach the purpose for which Christ laid hold of me to make me his own. When you're holding your, your children, if you have, like soon, when you're holding your child, they'll try to climb up and hold on as tight as they can if they're scared or anything else. And I noticed this verse, and this verse reminds me of this, is when I held my children tight and they were scared or something was going on, they would grab your neck and they're holding on as tight as they can. But what this verse says and what I believe to be true is that Christ Jesus laid a hold of me to make me his own. When he's climbing on my neck, even if someone were to, to grab him, my arm is under him. There's no one going to take that. And that's our relationship with God as well, that he already has us. And when we go out and we do things in this world, when we're challenged to do that, God has you. And I think that when we do that, we experience God's fullness because we experience in the action of following him. So one of the things that we do during Advent is we celebrate this coming of Christ. And when you look at it, it's just a simple candle in a big room full of us. But when you think about the light of the world, it comes from one source. It comes from Jesus reaching into our world and joining us in the mess that's all around us. And the reason I have hope and the reason I believe this is the most amazing story, the birth of Christ, is because God joins us in it. He gave up complete power. He showed his power in giving up his power. And I think that that's part of us reaching to him. And some of us don't have hope in him because we haven't trusted him. And so I want to ask you a question just, just to enter into a time of prayer. Where do you need God to meet you right now? Where is it in your life that, that God needs to enter in? And I, I have no idea what to say. I'm not going to say I know what you're thinking because I don't. But if you have a need or something else, give that to God. Where is it that you need God to meet you right now? Because his hope comes and, is, and happens through him joining us in this world. My hope for you is that you see yourself the way God sees you and you and I live out who we already are in him. When you see people living out God's call, it's not because they're doing something, it's because God is doing it with them. I want us to pray together and then to, to, uh, to enter into a time of just worship. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for loving us more than we can imagine. God, often I, I take that for granted. And so God, right now, um, just in this moment, I pray that you would remind me and remind us that your love for us is bigger than us. God, there's nothing you would not do to have us and to hold us as your own. God, I pray that we would hold on to your neck, but we'd know that you have us by your strong right hand. Thank you, God, for all you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with us?